0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at pipesmagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. What do Donald Trump and Dolly Parton have in common? They have no idea this show exists and we don't care. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax. The smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome! It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And remember, you must be 18 years of age or older in order to listen to this fine, quality programming. I am your host, Brian Levine, and it is Tuesday night again, and on tonight's show... Hey, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to spend some time talking about a very popular part of a Smithsonian exhibition that's pipe-related, so you'll have, to, you'll have to hear that. My guest tonight is pipe maker Jesse Jones. Jesse's uh, working in uh, Columbus, Ohio with Premal, and we'll talk to him about all his, uh, his pipe-making stuff, and uh, I'm, I'm interested. He's, uh, he's quite a fashionable guy, so we'll try to get into some of that, too. Uh, Mailbag Music, another listener-supported music, Uh, this one from Scrap Huntington or the Punk Rock Piper, that will be coming up as well, and rant all that on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Sad news to report to you, sad news to report to everybody, Uh, Playboy, yeah, Playboy Magazine will no longer be featuring nude photographs. Playboy has fallen to the uh fallen victim to the internet and subscri- subscriptions are down dramatically and they're going to go with um tastefully provocative pictures of women but you'll be able to read the magazine anywhere. Well, who's still going to want to pull out a Playboy magazine while sitting at the doctor's office waiting? Uh, But anyway, yeah, Playboy announced that, and in the next couple of months they will uh, introduce a new Tamer Playboy. Times have changed. Yeah, we can't smoke our pipes wherever we want anymore, and apparently um, Playboy is now no longer going to have the classic centerfolds that are pinned up in every boy's locker and every mechanic's uh, workshop. All right, let's get the show going. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. And here we go.
1: Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournogins.com. nogginscom is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fornoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
2: I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vive, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, But we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series, the secret ingredient, is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information.
0: We are back, and in just a minute, Jesse Jones will be on the phone with me. And for pipe parts, I thought I'd talk about this. I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but uh, there's a traveling exhibit of uh, Albert Einstein's personal effects. And it's on loan from the Smithsonian, and right now it's in Philadelphia. Uh, One of the things in it is a pipe of his. The pipe is a small uh, straight apple with kind of like a flat-bottomed round shank, and it's stamped Cointreau, C-O-I-N-T-R-E-A-E-U. Cointreau is the French um, orange liqueur. This pipe has been chewed, battered, beaten. It's got a cracked shank in it, but it is traveling around with this, with this exhibition of Albert Einstein. So... Last year? Well, no, back in April. An article on Smithsonian.com written by Roger Catlin, and I'll read the article to you. It starts with, It's not exactly the thing that made Albert Einstein renowned in human history, but the modest smoking device just may have helped create his world-changing theories and formulas. Since it first arrived at the Smithsonian more than 30 years ago, Einstein's pipe isn't just a notable personal item from one of history's great thinkers. It is also the most popular single exhibit in the museum's entire modern physics collection, officials say there. All right, I'm going to read that again because I think this is cool. Uh, Since it first arrived at the Smithsonian more than 30 years ago, Einstein's pipe isn't just a notable personal item from one of history's great thinkers. It is also the most popular single exhibit in the museum's entire modern physics collection, officials there say. It goes on to write, It beats the near-mass spectrograph, the first atom-beam block, and even the Bose-Einstein condensation apparatus. It's in a class by itself, says Roger Sherman, the Smithsonian's associate curator for the modern physics collection, says of the modest wooden pipe from before 1948. Einstein's Little Pipe, out of all this great stuff, Einstein's Little Pipe, and the article goes on to say, And yet, as the 60th anniversary of Einstein's death approaches us on April 18th, that's this past April, the pipe itself is not currently on display among the science holdings of the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History in Washington. Instead, as proof of its popularity, it's at the National Museum of American Jewish History, a Smithsonian affiliate in Philadelphia, for several years. We get requests from other museums to borrow it, Sherman says. Requests from other museums is the main way to measure popularity of an artifact, he says, and it's been on loan many, many times. I'm thinking about asking to borrow it myself. Uh, He goes on to write, it may be only six and a quarter inches long with a bowl standing less than one and a half inches high, but the pipe takes on added importance since it is one of the few personal objects remaining from the Nobel Prize winning creator of the theory of relativity. People associate him with the life of the mind and writing theoretical papers, Sherman says, so anything that is a material presence related to him has a particular appeal that perhaps doesn't apply to other people. The fact that there aren't many surviving artifacts of Einstein's, or pipes, though he was pictured as having a variety of them, is an aspect of how Einstein lived, Sherman says. He did not value material possessions. For example, the house he lived in in Princeton, New Jersey, is not a museum. It's just a private house. And there aren't museum sites with collections of things that belong to him anywhere. His most valuable legacy is his papers. And most of them are preserved today in Jerusalem, Sherman says. The pipe, however, may have been a crucial tool in the formulation of his theories. I believe that pipe smoking contributes to a somewhat calm and objective judgment in all human affairs, Einstein was once quoted as saying in 1950. It didn't take an Einstein to know that smoking wasn't good for his health, though. He enjoyed smoking, Sherman says, but at one point his doctor told him to give it up, so he did, but he didn't give up on the pipes themselves, and he would fairly often stick an empty one in his mouth and just chew on it and in fact we have evidence of that he says because the pipe that we have is partially chewed through he definitely used it in one way or another the pipe came from the collection of Gina Plunguian. I hope I didn't butcher that a sculptor from Newark Delaware she had been a friend of Einstein's and also worked for him and helped him with his paper with his paperwork in his office Sherman says, she was a sculptor, so she made a bust of Einstein. At one point, he gave her one of the pipes that he had. In the article, there's a picture of her sculpting Einstein, and he's got a pipe in his right hand uh, as she's working away with it. The article goes on to say, The Smithsonian acquired the artifact in 1979 from her widower. The Smithsonian Archives of American Art also has a photograph from 1947, the one I mentioned above, uh, with her working on her bust of Einstein as the artist holds what may well be the pipe in question. Part of the popularity of the pipe is due to the fact that it humanizes him, Sherman says. Smart as he was, it was hard for him to give up on smoking. Einstein died in Princeton on April fifteenth, 1955 at the age of 76 after a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm, which sounds like a bad thing to have. Uh, anyway, thought it was a really cool article. Uh, the Cointreau Pipes, to me, looks like it was just a standard French or English factory-made pipe that the Cointreau, tobacco, uh, the, the Cointreau Liquor Company was uh, giving away as a promotional item. Enjoyed the article. Hope you did, too. And in just a minute, Jesse Jones will be on the phone.
2: This is Internet Radio. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Corn Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri.
1: these are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere.
0: Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, joining me on the phone is one of the sharpest looking young guys in the pipe making world. You saw pictures of him in the uh, in the article that, uh, that uh, was put up on the New Orleans Pipe Show, and he's making some really fine pipes. So please welcome Jesse Jones to the Pipe's Magazine radio show.
3: Ryan, thanks for having me. And I appreciate the plug about being sharply dressed, but I can assure you nothing is further from the truth, as uh, as my wife would point out to me on occasion.
0: Well, wives are there to set us in our place. Um, and most of the time they're right as long as you're... Around them. Anyway, That's right. uh, so where did you grow up? Where are you from? How did you get into smoking a pipe?
3: So I grew up in a small town in the northeast corner of New Mexico called Clayton. Um, we were 10 miles from Texas and 8 miles from Oklahoma. Um, so the culture was very similar. Uh, we might as well have just been annexed to Texas, frankly. Um, <laughs> And there was nothing in Clayton, um, which I didn't particularly mind. I'm sort of a rural country boy. Um, but when it came to uh, time to go to college, I oh hummed around for probably longer than I should have and finally settled on uh, West Texas A&M, which was in Canyon, Texas. Uh, that's 10 miles south of Amarillo. And uh, I knew sort of from the moment that I turned 18 that uh, I was going to be some sort of smoker. Um, everyone in my family, except for my parents, smoke. Uh, now it's always cigarettes, and that's unfortunate. But you know, a side effect of that was every family gathering, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, there would be people sitting around smoking cigarettes, and so that scent sort of uh, reminded me of family and good times. And um, of course, the the downside of that is I have lost quite a few. Relatives um, to smoking cigarettes. But I knew when I turned 18, I was going to be a smoker. So I thought, well, a pipe is probably the best way to go. And not as harmful for you as cigarettes can be. Um, so when I moved to college, I walked into my local B&M. I bought my first pipe for $20 and a pouch of their tobacco, which I'm sure was a mix of Lane 1Q and probably BCA. Um, and let me tell you, that pipe was probably more filled than briar and, uh, (laughs) had a, a very similar experience to a lot of guys, uh, smoked it, you know, smelled nice, but didn't really taste good. It burnt my tongue and it wasn't really pleasant. Um, so I still liked the idea of smoking a pipe, but I didn't pick it back up again, seriously. Um. Probably, for a couple more years, I had gotten into premium cigars for a while and uh, smoking those on and off. And then I met a gentleman who worked at uh, the local B&M part-time, who was a retired widower, uh, Vietnam vet, who had a pipe collection, um, a very extensive pipe collection. Ooh. And he really didn't have much family. Um, his name was Jack. And uh some of us college kids, us college boys, we wound up sort of adopting him as our dad away from home and he kind of adopted us as his kids and so we'd go over oh two or three times a week, um, sit around, look at this pipe collection. He was a big Peterson guy. He probably had about forty Petersons, uh, a bunch of Stanwells and um you know, just sat around, drank beer, smoked and um you know, a lot of really good memories associated with that. He uh gave me my first, you know, sort of pipe that was, you know, not a basket pipe. Um, It was a Peterson, and uh, pretty much brand new. That was just the kind of guy he was. Very generous guy. So that's kind of how I got started.
0: So as a college kid, you actually did know Jack. uh, But was Jack the one that showed you how to pack and smoke a pipe correctly?
3: You know... kind of let us figure it out on our own um of course he had little techniques and tricks to show us occasionally but uh um for the most part it was just here try this tobacco here try this Have you you have enough pipes and he was always trying to give us stuff you know pipe cleaners and <laughs> campers and what have you wow. and uh yeah a lot of good time
0: so how do we uh did you graduate from college, and how do we get into making pipes?
3: So, yeah, I graduated with my bachelor's degree and uh, continued on and did my master's. And in the interim, I had sort of become volunteer help at the same brick-and-mortar shop that uh, my friend Jack worked at. And uh, it was him, and he bought me a pipe kit. Um, I thought, well... <laughs> Sure, why not? I'm sorta fartsy-fartsy. Of uh, you know, during high school and growing up I'd always kind of dabbled in the arts, music, uh art, uh, wood shop, that sort of thing. And so um and you know, I went around tools and and had worked with wood in the past, so I figured this wouldn't be that much of a stretch, so I uh took it home over Christmas break and made a pipe in three hours and uh I was pretty proud of myself, but it was really not a very good-looking pipe, um, and I was hooked. I don't know how to describe it other than you know it's <laughs> it's a serious addiction. That briar dust it gets it gets in you, and you gotta you've gotta work with the briar or you'll go crazy. and uh, So, graduated my master's degree, um, hung around, started making pipes, worked for the university full time. Um, things just kind of built uh, on themselves. Like, kept wanting to do more, so started getting more and more briar and stem material and experimenting and accumulating tools. And and that was a, uh, an ordeal in and of itself. Um, when I started, and up until the day that I left Canyon, actually, um, I was living in a dormitory um, And then later on, as I was employed by the university, um, I worked for their housing department and uh, oversaw um, a few residence halls and uh, lived in an apartment that was actually inside a dormitory. Um, So I had no place to keep tools of any kind. Um, So all of my pipe-making tools were in my car and in a friend's garage. And so I would make pipes... Um, after hours down at the smoke shop, you know, I had a key so I could kind of come and go as I pleased and it wouldn't be, uh, unusual for you to drive by at 1 a.m. And I would be in the back, um, with a file, some sandpaper, working on a pipe, um, and of course, I was relatively well known around campus and had quite a few buddies who would smoke with me, um. And they'd show up at midnight and knock on the door. I'd let them in. And pretty soon, you know, we'd have quite a little get-together going and me <laughs> making pipes and them just chit-chatting. And It was a very common occurrence, Let us just say that. <laughs> so there,
0: and there might have been some drinking involved?
3: Uh, you know, just a little. <laughs> uh,
0: so what is your master's in?
3: Master's degree is in uh, political science with an emphasis on political theory. So, um, (laughs) governments. The theories, the philosophy behind governments.
0: So that makes you perfectly suited to make pipes.
3: Uh, Absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And with a master's in political science, I'm assuming you're enjoying the uh, the current primary presidential races, and we'll avoid those completely.
3: I love it. I love it. I can't get enough. Um, It's just... It's like a train wreck, you know? You just can't take your eyes off of it.
0: (laughs) So what... I mean, what was one of the hardest things for you to... one, One of the hardest parts of pipe making for you to get a grasp on?
3: You know, I... I don't necessarily think anything was hard. I just think it took a lot of practice, and I would work for a while, and my my skill would sort of plateau until I, until I reached um, sort of a, uh, a point where I could, there would be some sort of revolution and I could see something that I wasn't able to see before. Um, when you're just, for instance, here's an example, when you're just trying to match a stem to the end of a pipe, um, you just take sandpaper and try to make them flush. And it's simple in theory. Um, but once you practice and get to know the materials, you discover that as you're sanding the joint between the stem and the end of the shank, obviously the briar and the vulcanite are different hardness, and uh, the briar will actually eat away faster than your vulcanite. And if you're not careful, you'll make a dip right there at the junction. And that's something that you have to control by very subtle hand pressure and uh just uh really keen eyesight and even by the sense of touch um and these little things these little aha moments sort of catapulted you into a new echelon of pipe making excellence or whatever you want to call it and then you you know plug along on that level for a little while until you have your next big aha moment
0: so i guess it is i never really thought of it but you are taking two different materials and making two identical round diameters and trying to make them look like one piece, but they deteriorate at a different rate. Right. Right. And then, of course, you also get the times when that's not a perfectly round connection, too.
3: Right, like when it's an oval or a diamond, and and then, of course, you want to make sure it matches from all directions, and, and it's really quite challenging
0: what do you prefer to shape first and then drill later or do you drill first and shape after
3: well for me it depends on the situation um but my personal preference is to drill first um i love english classics and so frankly i could care less about what the grain orientation is or <laughs> You know, whether it's an ebichon or a plateau, if I'm making a billiard. I, I really don't care. Um, now, if I'm trying to make something more Danish and I really want to nail the, the grain around the, the bowl, usually um, you can find a block where the orientation is good enough. The cutters today, I mean, the stuff that we get from Mimo is just so well-oriented. The grain is oriented in the block really well to begin with that you don't really have to do a whole lot of shaping really want to nail that grain. Yeah, you need to shape first and then,
0: and then drill. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, your move to Columbus and a whole bunch more. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com cup of has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos cup of is also your one-stop shop for peterson pipes their exclusive line of peterson kelly pipes check out their remodeled website at cup and be sure to like them on facebook cup
4: quality products at extraordinary prices italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion it's their birthright their legacy And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Jesse Jones. And real quickly, Jesse, is Jesse your actual real name, or were your parents uh, had a sense of humor?
3: Um, it it is my actual given name. Um, I I don't know particularly why they chose that, but it it does have a nice ring to it, so, uh, you know, I'm not complaining.
0: It's got a certain outlaw tingle to it. Um... Anyway, so what? What took you to Columbus, Ohio?
3: Okay, so I got married in well three years ago, and uh, at that point in time, my career at the university was going well. Um, but shortly thereafter, there were some changes in upper management, and I discovered that the. Their philosophy on higher education did not exactly coincide with mine. Uh, And in the meantime, my wife was looking to get into a graduate school um, for her degree. Um, And so we sort of thought, well, okay, we need to move on. We need to change the scenery. And uh, I kind of assumed that I would go with her wherever she went to graduate school, and I would try to make pipes full-time. Well, about that time, um, I had gone to the Kansas City show, and I was approached by Premel Cheta at Smoker's Haven, who really liked my work and offered to carry it in his shop, and we had established a relationship, and i begun chatting on and off, and he had mentioned to me that he was looking for an individual to help him make cheddar pipes in the workshop, um, full time, um, and I thought, well, that would be kind of cool. Uh, but you know, my wife not looking in Columbus, Ohio, to go to school, and uh, you know, Primal kept uh, kept asking me if I was interested. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm I am interested, and we'll just see how things go. <laughs> well, it turned out that my wife and I kind of reached a point where you know we had to had to get out of where we were at. We just we just had to, and so we sort of made a bargain. Um, she had an interview at a graduate school in uh, Waco, Texas, and so I went there and had her interview, and she said, well, if I get in, then let's go to Waco, but if we don't, let's let's go to Columbus, go make pipes for a living, and, you know, don't worry about me, I'll get a job, and so, obviously, her, <laughs> her chances at that grad school, unfortunately, fell through, and uh, we moved to Columbus, we packed up... All our meager uh, possessions in a, in a U-Haul and made the long, long drive far, far away from the rolling plains and the wind and the cows, and now we're in Ohio.
0: And in the snowfall and the uh, in the middle of, uh, right near Amish country.
3: That's right. Well, you know, contrary to popular belief, it does snow in Texas, but, yeah, you know, it just melts all by the next day, so...
0: Yeah, as opposed to Columbus, where it melts in March.
3: Yeah, it melts once a year, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for those of us on the outside, how does it work? So you make cheddar pipes, and then you make your own pipes as well, and you're working in the shop and back and forth?
3: I do. So my primary role at Smoker's Haven is to make the cheddar brand pipes, um, which are sort of our top-tier... Um, high-quality artisan pipes. Um, now, I do a lot of other things in addition to making set of pipes. Um, I do estate restoration. Um, I evaluate the estate collections when they come in um, and sort of any general sort of thing that needs done in the shop to, to help out, even on the retail side sometimes. Um, and my own brand, I do continue to make. I haven't made very many this year. I think I've only made five in 20 keep telling me you need to make more Jones pipes you need to make more Jones pipes well I agree with them completely um, but <laughs> after uh, making pipes at Smoker's Haven all day it's, it's hard to stay after and make more pipes um, <laughs> at the end of a long day believe it or not I just want to go home um, which is you, you did, know unfortunate but you know
0: you did say you have a wife so
3: right right you know <laughs> I do have a home life Um, but it is funny, you know, I'll get home and I'll get something to eat and then about seven o'clock I'll start to get a little anxious and think, man, what am I doing wasting time? I could, I could be making pipes right now, (laughs) but of (laughs) course I'm not going to drive back into town and go to the shop. So currently I'm in the process of setting up a little workstation at home. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to, uh, finish some pipes at home when I get the urge.
0: Is there a way for you to really kind of describe the difference between a Cheddar pipe and what, and something of your own of your own line?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked that um, because I try, I take great pains to keep both brands very distinct. There are shapes that I just will not make um, as a Cheddar. Um, and there are also shapes that I would never make as a Jones pipe. Um, Jones pipes, for me, I want to focus on... Strict English classics. Um, you know, to me, those are the pipes that I'm excited about. Super simple, crisp lines, lightweight, elegant, functional. Um, and the Chetta pipes, on the other hand, are very uh, well, they're very um, characteristic of the American sort of artisan scene, um, heavily influenced by the Danes, um, flowing lines. For Cheddar Pipes in particular, you know, Bill and and Premel as well use a lot of uh, sort of stocky, muscular compositions. And I try to keep that up. Um, I like to think that uh, if you're buying a Cheddar Pipe, it does have an, a distinct aesthetic. So if you're interested in a Cheddar Pipe, you're going to buy a Cheddar Pipe. And if you're interested in a Jones Pipe, you're going to buy a Jones Pipe because the two are completely different.
0: Is it possible for you to tell if you made one versus Premel or any of the other?
3: Yes. I mean, there are certain things to look for. Uh, The first thing I always look for is is the the stem work, especially around the button. Uh, Premel has his way of making pipes. Um, Bill had his way of making pipes, and I have mine. Um, So you can definitely pick up on on distinct styles. Um, And you can look at the number on the Cheta Pipe and sort of determine based on which one in the series that is, who made it. You know, I came in at around the 200 Chetta mark. And so from then on, I've made quite a few. Um, and from then back, it was most likely uh, Bill and Remmel. Um So that's sort of one way you can tell.
0: I had an interesting conversation that happened when I presented a, a W.O. Larson pearl grade to tawny nielsen at the chicago pipe show and he took it over to teddy newtson and the two of them were discussing which one of them made it and they decided that it was (laughs) actually teddy that made the stem and tawny made the bowl because (laughs) there were
3: well you know and there is some of that going on in the cheddar workshop too you know preble will get the bowl started he's got a he's got a beautiful bloodfish on the on the bench right now and uh you know, he's a busy man, so it, I might wind up making the stem for it. it. You never know, and there has been some of that in the past where I, I might have been almost done with the pipe from what comes in and, and finishes it out. So, But for the most part, we, we, stick to, we stick to making one from start to finish.
0: And then uh, we get to usually see you and your lovely wife out at pipe shows.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate that uh, she tolerates me and uh <laughs> not only my hobby but the obnoxious people in my hobby and uh she likes to come to pipe shows uh, yeah. god bless her for
0: it yeah for some reason she still says hello to me occasionally
3: oh and she does say hi by the way yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> tell her i said hello too
3: <laughs> i certainly will
0: uh, when did you start going out to pipe shows
3: you know, it was after I had probably made 20 pipes or so. I was selling them at the local brick-and-mortar that I volunteered at. They were going for, like, dollars dollars apiece. And uh, I don't honestly remember how I found out that there were shows, um, but somehow I did, and the closest one was Kansas City. And uh, it was the only thing that I could feasibly go to because it was in driving distance. I mean, if you're thinking about canyon texas and driving to pipe shows that's about your only option yeah um so yeah i got some friends together and we went to kansas city for the first time and you know we're just astounded i mean, never seen so many pipes in one room before um and it was fun and then the next year i came back as an exhibitor and then you know continued on with that
0: and then your first trip to chicago was like what
3: well, believe it or not, my first trip to Chicago wasn't until I started working with uh, Primalist Booker Saver. Up until that time, the only show that I had been to was Kansas City. Again, it's a, a cost thing, and it's own and driving distance. And with my old job, Chicago also coincided with um, uh, closing in the spring. And so I could never get off work to go.
0: And then you walk in and you see all those pipes and that size of a show, and it was <laughs> overload. Definitely, but
3: it was fun. Yeah.
0: All right. So, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit uh, uh, about your uh, your style and your fashion because you have a uh, well trained uh, mustache, and as the picture shows, <laughs> a three piece suit. Um. Uh, what got you what got you into the uh into the style that you have, even though some people may say you don't have one
3: <laughs> well uh, you know that's a good question um, you know working in a professional setting at a university um I always dressed nice um, and it's just something that I sort of grew up with you know if you were we didn't necessarily do this in my house, but uh you know talking to like my grandmother and my great grandmother. These are these are classy, classy ladies who would dress up, you know, to the nines to go to the grocery store, right? <laughs> and so, we sort of expected that if you wanted to be respected and you wanted to project an image of um, sort of I'm in control of my surroundings and my personal life, you dress nicely, and also as a as a token of respect. To those around you. So that's just sort of the way it happened. Um, I know in the university a lot of my colleagues did not dress as nice as I did but you know I, I enjoyed it. Um, if you uh, see me outside of shows however um, you'll notice that if I'm not wearing a suit I wear nothing but black um, and I've been wearing nothing but black casually for probably 15 years.
0: Well, that makes it easy on what color am I going to wear today?
3: Well, you know, I can get dressed in the dark (laughs) and not have to worry about matching. So that in itself is worth it. Uh,
0: Your your mustache, do you have any advice for people that want to grow one out and then wax it and train it?
3: Uh, Well, I can tell you this. If you really want to grow your mustache up and wax it and train it, please ask yourself the motive for why you want to do that. Is it because you want to be countercultural or is it because you just really like to have a handlebar mustache? I've sort of fall into the latter category. Um, in fact, there are uh, probably more baby photos and toddler photos of me with some sort of mustache painted slash taped onto my face than there are with me without <laughs> such an accoutrement. <clears throat> But yeah, um, you know, I've been told that you can start training with Elmer's glue. Um, I've never tried that. Um, it was sort of, sort of tough in the beginning to get it to do exactly what you wanted to do. But um, just get a good wax and keep up, keep the, the work, man. And uh, you know, it's not easy all the time. My wife says I spend probably more time fixing my mustache in front of the mirror than she does. You know. Not <laughs> Which is probably true, but it is what it is.
0: Well, that's why all your clothes are one color, because you're too busy worrying about your mustache.
3: That's right. I just don't have time. You know, the stash is where it's at. <laughs> all
0: right. Jesse, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready?
3: Oh, gosh, that's a lot of pressure.
0: Here we go. What's your favorite pipe? Uh, I don't have one. Aww, chickening out. All right, what's your... I
3: really don't. Uh. I love all pipes. (laughs)
0: All right, what's your favorite tobacco?
3: Uh, Estudo.
0: What is your favorite drink? Coffee. Yay. Uh, You don't put anything in it, do you? Mm, Typically not. Okay, good. Um oh, now I'm going to get in trouble from the people that like flavored coffees. Uh, w- <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
3: Um, usually a book, um, but that's a lot of work. So sometimes I, I opt for the other two because it's you know less effort on my part. I,
0: I wait for the movie to come out and then complain about the book. Uh, <laughs> last question, and this may be the hardest. Do you have any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory?
3: You know, I think my favorite pipe smoking related memories were just all of the good times that I spent with um, with my friends in the hobby. Um, those are irreplaceable, for sure.
0: And finally, to see your pipes, the Cheddar pipes and all that, I'm assuming we can go to smokershaven.com.
3: Correct. Yeah. You can see all the Cheddar pipes and, um, Buckeye pipes that I make on Shaven. Um, and my personal pipes, Jones pipes, you can see at JonesPipes.com. I have a gallery there, of the Cheddar pipes that I've made as well. Um, so if you're ever in doubt if I made a specific Cheddar, um, I try to keep those pictures updated fairly regularly.
0: And will we see you in Las Vegas?
3: You will not see me in Las Vegas. No. Um, You'll probably be seeing Primal, but I'm not for sure.
0: Well, that means that your wife won't be there either, so we lose.
3: Yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> Jesse, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Brian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: We'll be back in just a minute.
4: Hi, my name is Eileen Sachi for MarketingPipes.com. If you attend the major pipe shows or buy pipes on eBay, chances are you know my dad, Hank Sachi or eBuyer1932. My dad has been a pipe collector for over three decades and a reseller on eBay for the last 12 years. His new website is marketingpipes.com. At marketingpipes.com, you will find high-quality, hand-picked pipes. Carvers, join my dad's vast network of collectors across the globe and let my dad promote your brand. Collectors, consign your pipes at affordable commissions or buy your next collectible pipe at marketingpipes.com. Thank you.
5: It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic everything is here to ensure perfection from the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish reaching into your pocket you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco aptly named great outdoors it is the perfect smoke for moments like these a strike a flash and your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep rich burlies with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. This is Internet Radio.
0: How can you beat a guy with an outlawish type of a name that's uh, got a master's degree in political science, a sharp dresser, and can uh, can sling some wood? Check out all of Jesse's Pipes. All right, for music, Scrap Huntington, former guest on the show and regular listener and punk rock, punk rock piper, has sent me a song of his. It's a brand new one. It's a all uh it's an all, all instrumental and he claims to have played every one of the instruments on there while smoking his pipe so here's a little uh punk rock piper for you Check out Scrap's uh, YouTube channel, the Punk Punk Rock Piper, and uh, subscribe to it when you get a chance. Love it when the uh, when the listeners send in music that they've done. Just love that.
3: You Daddy, have the email
0: in the mailbag. John Seiler writes, "Hi Brian, of course I know Sally, aka Pipe Tart. Sally is a very grac- is a very gracious and fun to be with person." I've smoked many a bowls with her and others after hours at pipe shows. I wonder if Jim gets a vote on the pipes uh, Sally brings home to sell. No, I don't think he does. Uh, John writes, uh, OMG, she told about the flaming pouch. <laughs> I was at the table for the event. I believe it was at Chicago, and at the next KC meeting, they had a fire extinguisher for her just in case. Like I said, a fun pipe, a fun pipe person. Music, Bob Bittner, Naomi gets the last laugh, interesting to say the least. Rant, you could have a boring month for your birthday, try March. (laughs) Great show. Uh, The Kilted One was actually up late. Um, Another great show, Brian. One of the few shows I've been up late enough and Compost Mentis read sober. Ah, okay, there we go. I thought I was drunk, Uh, even to listen to live. Uh, by By pure coincidence... I am sat here smoking a massive K. Woody handmaid that I bought from Sally at the Chicago show this year and enjoying your conversation. Sally seems even nicer than I realized, and you have some good banter between the two of you. I'll look for the photos of you on the pipe tart. Die. Yeah, okay. Can anyone say blackmail? No, they're up there. They're already out there. Uh, music, not quite to my taste, but not bad. Rant, Halloween is bad enough for the begin for the beginning of October but I saw Christmas stuff in the shops this week happy birthday though I hope you have a good one whenever it is Jordan <laughs> uh, Jordan lives up there in uh, in the United Kingdom or Scotland or Ireland or one of those places and if they've got Christmas stuff out already we're all in trouble KC Ghost Dan writes really nice finish to the Pipe History Series I hope people enjoyed that as much as I did Sally Gottliebson is just a delight person and one of the treasures of the hobby. I am not an Italian pipe guy, so I have limited opportunity to purchase from her. I was clever enough to buy one from her at the last KC show, and we used it as the first prize in our slow smoke competition. Uh, the Buffalo Ball Sack Story is reaching legendary proportions. <laughs> the tall tale about a big sack. No, um... I was at the show, but was unfortunate not to be a first-person witness of the event. Anyone interested in acquiring one of these items can go to whitewoodleather.com. Uh, Sally's interest into the pipe world was, entrance into the pipe world was very interesting. I bet being in a class taught by her must have been a hoot. I guess I would have preferred Monster Mash for the song. All right, maybe we can do Monster Mash for uh, next week. Um, I hate horror movies. I can't imagine why anyone would create these things for a viewing public that is borderline psychotic and armed to the teeth. If anything, we need more calming movies like The Grass Grows at Midnight or something. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, New Broom writes, who needs Hugh Hefner's centerfold? Sutless multidulce ad will suffice, Mike. <laughs> we'll try to hook you up with her. And Voorhees says, met Sally at the NOLA pipe show, and she was great to deal with. Also happened to be smoking the one I got from her. PCR1 writes, great show, loved the interview. And his avatar is a straight razor, which I think is cool, even though I couldn't use one. Uh, Mr. Bream, a new member on on PipesMagazine.com writes, enjoyed the show as always. Got a laugh out of this week's rant. I feel your pain. Try having your birthday on Valentine's Day. As a kid, when I had a birthday party, my mother would make my birthday cake. The other kids usually had a round or rectangular layer cake, and most of the time they were chocolate or vanilla with some sort of icing. My cakes? Strawberry, heart-shaped, and usually, you guessed it, pink. At least the icing was usually red or pretty close. They tasted great, but they sure caused me a lot of grief from my friends. Okay, I apologize. And uh, Rus writes, Hey, now, you just keep the pink in October. February is already the shortest month of the year. Has to deal with Valentine's Day and the whole leap year fiasco. The last things we Pisceans and Aquarians want to have to deal with is more reasons to disdain our birth month. Okay, 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 I get it. Uh, he goes on to write, You just buck up there, Skippy. You'll be fine in your pink gloves watching Sleepy Hollow while eating birthday cake, Pat. Uh, Pat, the problem is the birthday cake will be pumpkin pie. That's the problem. Um, SS Jones Al writes, Sally is the lively center to any pipe event. It was great to hear her interesting history. I love the song. All right. Uh, Just a reminder, the West Coast Pipe Show coming up. In fact, we'll have an ad for it in just a few minutes. Uh, The West Coast Pipe Show is coming up. You'll be able to see me there. If you have any suggestions for uh, pipe part segments, please let me know. Email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. I'll uh, check those out. I promise I'll get to them or do the best that I can getting to all of them. Uh, I do have a couple of segments coming up related on uh, travel for you. So a couple of things on that. And then the holidays are coming up, so we'll get into the holiday mode. All that coming up. Long time to go in the future. Hope to see you at the uh, West Coast Pipe Show. All right, in just a minute. Rant time.
6: Don't try to fool us. We know something is getting you down. The world. The job. Wife. The rotten kids. What you need is a break that is guaranteed to boost your spirits. And the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas provides that break every year. Get off the plane. Look at those garish neon lights on Las Vegas Boulevard and start smiling. Then come to the Palace Station Hotel for a two day non stop spirit lifting immersion in your favorite hobby. Pipes. Nothing but pipes. Smoke on the showroom floor. Gamble or gamble with those great friends you see all too infrequently. When you get home, only a little bit poorer. And why shouldn't the kids go to the local JC instead of being spoiled by that expensive university? You will be so much happier to see the wife and the kids. Unfortunately, we can't help with the job situation. November 6th and 7th, 2015, Las Vegas, Nevada.
7: My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters, before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 3660345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality, we are experts, we are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com.
0: and gentlemen when i go out to eat i like to order fish fish is one of the things that i like to order when i go out to eat because we don't make it at home that often one of the things that i like to eat fish wise is fish and chips yes white fish preferably an atlantic cod beer battered served with french fries that is fish and chips fish and chips is one of my favorites If you go to a restaurant, not mentioning Applebee's by name, but if you go to a restaurant and they have fish and chips on the menu, there are two traditional things that come with fish and chips. In order to have fish and chips, you must have tartar sauce and malt vinegar. If you don't have tartar sauce and malt vinegar, essentially what you have is beer-battered Fish fingers, or beer-battered fish made like chicken fingers, and then you're dipping it in ketchup. It is the complete wrong taste. Well, on a recent trip to Applebee's, that I won't mention by name, uh, we went there, we ordered fish and chips, and I asked for vinegar. They don't have it. I said, how can you offer fish and chips on the menu without having... A malt vinegar well it turns out they said that nobody was asking for it so it was spoiling as I explained to the manager I said it's not that expensive to go get little packets of malt vinegar but if you're going to offer fish and chips on the menu you have to have malt vinegar available otherwise you are offering fish fingers basically chicken fingers Deep fried in a beer batter and dipped in ketchup. It is not fish and chips. I like fish and chips to the point where I spent about 75 pounds one night in London just taking the train into London to go to a pub to have proper fish and chips. But Applebee's, if you're going to have fish and chips, let's spend a little bit of money and buy the little packets of malt vinegar at least. Then we can call it fish and chips. All right, there you go. Um, hey, listen, it's been a musical week around here. Uh, some of you will see on my Facebook page that we saw Travis Tritt on Friday night. Then on uh, Saturday night, we went to uh, a high school marching band competition, which is fun because I finally got to sit and watch one. And upcoming on this Friday, and the reason I mention it, because Friday's my birthday, yes, please send all gifts directly to me. I will take them all. Thank you. Uh, This Friday, we'll be going to the South Carolina State Fair to see Jody Davis and the uh, Newsboys perform and hang out at the fair and go to the pig races. So if you want to see pictures from stuff like that, follow me on Facebook, Brian Levine. If you want to find out more information about the Pipes Magazine radio show, make sure and like it on Facebook. We appreciate all those ratings and reviews that you can leave for us on iTunes. Those are wonderful. They do help greatly. And we appreciate all of them. I want to thank my guest, Jesse Jones. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time.
5: He's smiling on the Who cares about the clouds when we're together Just Ah. sing a song and think about sunny weather Happy Train
0: If we had Dolly Parton on the show, it would be like having two guests in one.